series writer Patrick M. Verone stated, we were easily the most <laughs> overeducated cartoon writers in history. Hey, you know, like I said, this very well-written documentary. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> we need facts, people. Straight, cold, hard facts. <laughs> It's not just a theory, it's law. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Or if this is your first time joining us, welcome to Allied Rebels. We are your hosts. I'm Dee. And I'm Roxy. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about that very realistic documentary on time travel called Futurama. Ooh, yes, quite indubitably a most fascinating show of delectable taste. Perfect. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Anyway. So, Roxy, what's new with you? What you been up to? Well, Night A Fiance has taken over our lives. Uh, I feel like at this point, like, what are video games? What is life? So, uh, yeah. And then um, I've really been wanting to play Resident Evil. The original. The remake. The remake. Um, Yeah. It's, I don't know. I just really loved it. It was so good. Yes. Some. I also watched the Evil Dead Rice movie. Um, I thought it was all right. I think it might be hit or miss with some people. So I haven't seen it yet, but I do want to. Yeah, yeah. I'd be curious to see if you like it. I think you probably you might. And then I also did see the Boogeyman. That's another one I know you wanted to watch. Oh yeah, um, I really do. I think you should watch that one for sure. I like that one a lot. Nice. And then I've been on a Dead Island kick. I've been wanting to play that a lot too. So it's just yeah. uh, so fun. Let me know because I'm making room in my room again for a desk. Yeah. Play better. Mm, mm, or we could just have our little lamp party. Oh, yeah. yeah. Duh, that's how we used to play it. Yep. But yeah. Uh, what's new with you, Dee? Um, I've been on that Fortnite grind again. The new season just launched like last week or something. There's a lot of cool things in there now. There's thermoscopes back again. That's like one of my favorite things in the game. Um, but there's also like mud you can put on your character. So you're hidden from the thermal scope. Oh, cool. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Still reading smut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> reading, you're reading yes, and that's reading. a good thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, been playing DVD Dead by Daylight still. I want to um, play that one so bad. You should, you should get it. We it's have cross- it. It's cross platform. Okay. We need to get, yeah, I think it is that one. Unless I'm confusing it with the other one. Cause there's so many that sound <laughs> the same. So dead by daylight is when you're fixing the generators and there's a killer that's hunting you. Okay. The um, survivors see in third person and the killer sees in first person. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah. Um, and then I've been watching a lot of Wojako YouTube person who plays DVD. He's a little young. So I feel, okay, he's like 25 or something. So he's not young. But you know, when there's a significant age gap and you're watching somebody, sometimes it feels weird. You know, just maybe because he does a lot of sexual jokes. (laughs) And so I go, (laughs) oh, (laughs) but I like his humor. 
So it's like, we could chill. It'd be chill. We could hang out, you know. Anyway, he's funny. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, let's start with a topic that um, we just kind of started researching recently. We definitely haven't spent a long time researching it and then putting it off for many, many months, almost a year. We had oh. reasons, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but it's something that we both really wanted to do. But, you know, it just wasn't the right time. See, when two people want to make a podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> they just cannot get sick at the same time, okay? I know. Like, I, okay, that's something that was new with me. I had strep so bad that oh yeah, it changed the shape of my tonsils. Interesting. Yeah. The infection ate away at some of my tonsils. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Good times. Well, I'm glad you've made a full recovery. <laughs> yes. But yes, we are going to be talking about Futurama. Futurama is an American adult animated series. Not like adult adult, you know, but like it's adult humor. It's not yeah. really for kids. But anyway, it was created by Matt Groening, um, premiered on Fox March 28th, 1999. And if you don't know, Matt Groening also makes The Simpsons. So... You know, it's a very similar style, like artwork and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I personally think it's better. Not that I hate I, The Simpsons. I just prefer Futurama. I concur. Um, I do like The Simpsons, don't get me wrong, but I haven't watched it in literal years. Same. I don't know. It's just the only time I do watch it is the Halloween episode. Oh, nice. And I haven't yeah. seen one of those in the past couple of years. So yeah. I don't even know what's going on with them. <laughs> Not a clue. <laughs> Anyway, the series follows the adventures of the professional slacker, Philip J. Fry, who is cryogenically preserved for 1,000 years and is revived in the 31st century. Fry's the best, dude. <laughs> he's not what we call the most intelligent person, but he's definitely funny. He's fun, okay. He's fun. <laughs> he's the friend that you want around for a good time. <laughs> not for plans but for a good time he'll do stuff too so like manual labor sometimes he'll do it sometimes <laughs> uh, the series was envisioned by Matt Groening in the mid 1990s while working on the Simpsons he brought David X. Cohen aboard not abroad to develop storylines and characters to pitch the show to Fox and I always thought it was like a made up character. The first time I saw David X, like, what does the X mean? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of people have an X middle name. So like, yeah, okay. That person's real. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I thought it was just a fun little thing that they added to the beginning of the show. Um, however, Futurama received critical acclaim throughout its run and was nominated for 17 Annie Awards, winning nine and 12 Emmy Awards winning six. It was nominated four times for a Writers Guild of America Award, winning for the episodes Godfellas and The Prisoner of Benda. <laughs> uh, it was nominated for a Nebula Award and received Environmental Media Awards for the episodes The Problem with Poplis and The Futurama Holiday Spectacular. Yeah, 
I did not realize how many awards Futurama actually won. Yeah, me either. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And those episodes that they mentioned, those aren't my favorites. They're good episodes. But I'm like, those are the ones that won awards? I could have picked another few. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess for the reasons of like yeah. the environmental media, for example, for mm-hmm. the problem with poplars because of the whole story behind it, which oh, yeah. we'll get into it later. Yeah. But I mean, it makes it's sense. It's a good yes. one, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So the series ran for four seasons on Fox from 1999 until 2004, when they then decided to make the most unfortunate decision to not renew the show. How dare they? So funny thing on that is, you know, I was so into Futurama. Mm -hmm. I I watched The Simpsons too at that time because, you know, it was about the same time. Anyway, um, when it was canceled, The Simpsons had an episode where a guy jumped off a cliff saying, they shouldn't have canceled Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, suicide's not funny, but <laughs> yeah, this dude. Um, but then in 2006, Groening announced that they were returning to make four DVD movies, which were released from 2007 to 2009 on Comedy Central. I remember watching it there the most, mm-hmm. honestly, on Comedy Central. And then eventually on Adult Swim on yep. Cartoon Network. The DVDs were classed, first of all, sorry, DVDs. That just seems like so long ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the DVDs were classed as season five. And because they proved to be successful, Comedy Central ordered 26 episodes for season six. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. They renewed once more for season seven, which ran from 2012 until 2013. But good news, everyone. The show is currently set to return on Hulu on July 24th of this year, 2023, which would be its official eighth season. Woo! That is so awesome. Oh. I know. Okay, I will say I liked how it ended. Mm-hmm. But Me I'm, too. Me too. I'm, st- I'm still, I want my Futurama back. I know. I love this show so much. So I'm so excited. I'm super stoked. <laughs> The production of the show was pretty extensive, with the animation being done by Rough Draft Studios. The studio would receive the completed script of an episode and create a storyboard consisting of more than 100 drawings. It would then produce a pencil-drawn animation with 1,000 frames. Rough Draft's sister studio in South Korea would then render the 30,000 frame finished episode. Um, I just think it's so cool. Like animation. Yeah. I remember wanting to get into it. Like, you know, video game animation and cartoon animation. And it's just so cool to see the process. Yeah. And like the painstaking steps that you have to take to do that animation. It was like, I like to draw, but. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'd be done after like 10 minutes. Okay, I'm good. Can I, break. Can't go home now. <laughs> I, I want nappies. <laughs> In addition to the drawn animation, Rough Draft Studios often used CGI for fast or complex shots, such as the movement of spaceships, explosions, nebula, large crowds, and snow scenes, which that helped a lot. And honestly, I thought it looked really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't super complex, but it just kind of seemed really seamless. Like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like super apparent that it was CGI, if that makes sense. No, I agree. The opening sequence was entirely rendered in CGI. The CGI was rendered at 24 frames per second, as opposed to hand-drawn, often done at 12 frames per second, and the lack of artifacts made the animation appear very smooth and fluid. That's pretty much what I was just saying. Like, I, first of all, I didn't even know the entrance was CGI, but um, I just always thought it looked really sharp and really good. Yeah. <laughs> 
The planning for each episode was pretty interesting as well. It began with a table meeting of writers who discussed the plot ideas as a group. The writers were given index cards with plot points that they were required to use as the center of activity in each episode. A single staff writer wrote an outline and then produced a script. Once the first draft of a script was finished, the writers and executive producers called in the actors for a table read. After the script reading, the writers collaborated to rewrite the script as a group before sending it to the animation team. At this point, the voice recording was also started and the script was out of the writer's hands. So they had to go what they had. That's awesome. I know. That is super fun. It's super elaborate and it just like works so well. And when I'm watching an episode, you never think about the process. You're just like, this is like the finished product and then it looks super easy. Like yeah. I could do it too. <laughs> A child could draw that. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> the writing staff held three PhDs, seven master's degrees, and cumulatively had more than 50 years at Harvard University. Fucking nerds. <laughs> Smart nerds. <laughs> yeah. Series writer Patrick M. Verone stated, we were easily the most overeducated cartoon writers in history. Hey, you know, like I said, this very well-written documentary. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> we need facts, people. Straight, cold, hard facts. <laughs> It's not just a theory, it's law. <laughs> Much like the opening sequence in The Simpsons with its gags, Futurama also had a distinctive opening sequence. As the show begins, blue lights fill the screen and the Planet Express ship flies across the screen with the title of the show being spelled out in its wake. Underneath the title is a joke caption such as painstakingly drawn before a live audience, or when you see the robot drink. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like that was one of my favorite things about the opening is yeah. reading what Seen was going to be underneath little, it. Yeah, the little <laughs> joke. I like that too. After flying through downtown New New York, I always have stumble on that. New <laughs> hey, New York. really good. <laughs> it's up to you. New New, New York. York. New New York. <laughs> um, and past various recurring characters, the Planet Express ship crashes into a large screen showing a short clip from a classic cartoon, which again, I loved when I was a kid. Like, Hey, look, there's Bugs Bunny. Or hey, look, there's Felix the Cat. You know, something very old and classical. Yeah, I, it took me a very long time to realize that it was different a lot of the time. So I was like, oh, that's so cool right. when I learned that. You just felt like... Yep, just jamming out. But the clips did include, like I said, Looney Tunes, sometimes The Simpsons, or scenes from the episode itself. Yeah. It's different. So quirky. Oh my god, they're like different. Does <laughs> <laughs> like, it push my hair on my ears because nobody can see it? <laughs> um, but several episodes did have a cold opening, though these scenes didn't always correspond with the episode's plot. So it was just a little kind of a little offshoot. Yeah. yeah. Um, series director Scott Banzo has remarked on the difficulty of animating the sequence. It took four to five weeks to fully animate the sequence. And then it consisted of over 80 levels of 3D animation composited together. 
It takes approximately one hour to render one single frame. And each second of the sequence consisted of about 30 frames. So like, do the math. <laughs> That's a ton of time. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, you guys do the math because I'm not mathing. Same. It's summer, not baby. Not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> the Futurama theme was created by Christopher Tang. Tang Tang. I like that last name. <laughs> I hope I'm saying that right, but the theme was played on tubular bells, but occasionally was remixed in specific episodes, including the version by the Beastie Boys used in the episode Hell is Other Robots. Love that episode. Um, in which they guest starred as their own heads for both the concert and as a part of the Robot Devil song. <laughs> uh, but yeah. When we were talking about this before, um, you know, we were music nerds in high school and we played handbells and we're like, that would have sounded so cool. It yeah. makes sense. It was played by those. The bells. The, yeah. It was originally intended for the Futurama theme to be remixed in every episode. That would have been <laughs> a ton. <laughs> but kind of cool. Yes. Um, this was first tried in the opening sequence of Mars University. Another good episode. Mm -hmm. However, it was realized upon the broadcast that the sound didn't transmit as well through most television sets, and the idea was subsequently abandoned. That's interesting. I mean, it makes sense, but I wonder what it sounded like. You know what I mean? Right? That they were like, let's not do this. Well, I mean, I think now it might be okay yeah, to do it. That's what I think, too. But. You know, they better work on that. Backtrack, <laughs> do all those intros for every single episode. Rewind, bitch. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> There's an official Futurama and The Simpsons crossover episode called Simsorama. It originally aired during the 26th season of The Simpsons on November 9th of 2014, over a year after the Futurama series finale aired on Comedy Central. It was so good. I haven't seen it. I've only seen snippets of it, but that is pretty cool. It was hilarious. I loved it. There are also Futurama comics, which started in November 2000. They are a book series published by Bongo Comics based on the Futurama universe. While the comics focus on the same characters, the comics are not all canon, as the events in the comic do not necessarily have any effect upon the continuity of the show. Like the TV series, each comic, except for comic number 20 for some reason, has a caption at the top of the cover. For example, made in the USA, printed in Canada. <laughs> Those cheeky little bastards. <laughs> a game titled Futurama, which genius, was published by Sierra Entertainment, which I haven't heard that name in a while. I know. And it was released August 14th of 2003. So I can already tell it was fucking amazing. Um, it was available for PlayStation 2 and the Xbox, both of which used cell shading technology, much like the Zelda games, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. So that's mm -hmm. interesting. I'm not, I will say I'm not the biggest fan of cell shading, but I can see its place. I think back then I would have totally been okay with it because mm -hmm. that would have seemed super new and futuristic. So Right. I mean, because... That was how long before Breath yeah. of the Wild? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Almost 20 years. Oh. Almost. Not quite, like 15. <laughs> I don't know. That's any better. Yesterday. <clears throat> yeah, yesterday. About? Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> You're joking on your own lies. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get. <laughs> 
gameplay is a mix of shooting and platforming. As the game progresses, players play as each of the four characters, Fry, Bender, Leela, and Zoidberg. <laughs> yeah. I love how D just did the little, yeah, the little <laughs> crab, little, what are these called? Clamps. I don't know why I was thinking clamps. <laughs> you want the clamps? Because of that, the mob episode. <laughs> um, Fry's levels mostly involved shooter mechanics, as he can use a multitude of guns. Bender's levels are platformer-oriented, while Leela's revolve around hand-to-hand -hand combat. <laughs> Zoidberg is featured in a short segment as well. There are several nibblers hidden in each level, and collecting them unlocks extras such as movie clips and galleries. So that sounds really cool. I think I would have really liked that game. Yeah, I wanted to own it, obviously, but um, I just did not have the money to pay $60 for a new video game at that time for some weird reason. I know, right? It's kind of like we crazy. were teenagers in high school yeah. or something. No, we weren't. <laughs> we were youths. We were in elementary school. We were in diapers. Yeah, we were, yes, we were, ba we were basically in the womb. I, I don't know. born yet. What, what is 2003? That's like ancient times. Anyhoodles. <laughs> <laughs> In 2012, an app inspired by the head and a jar gag was launched by Matt Groening, um, which I never saw that either, but that's kind of cool. There were mobile games as well, such as Futurama Game of Drones in 2016 and Futurama World of Tomorrow in 2017. So I think they're due for another video game, to be honest, uh, especially with yeah. the new season coming out. They should just start making it now. And then yeah. when this season's eventually canceled, It'll be ready. You shut your whore mouth. <laughs> uh, you have to be doing stuff to be a whore. Talk to me after. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, hopefully it'll have another great closure like it did before. But you know, if that's how I'm going to get a video game, you know, it'd be a good crossover for them. Hmm. Fortnite. Oh, that would be cool. Ooh, mm -hmm. I wonder if they'll come out with Fortnite characters with the new season. That's coming what out. I'm hoping for, That'd baby. That'd be really cool. That way I can run around saying, bite my shiny metal ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So now we're going to get into the characters of Futurama. Obviously, we're going to start with a boy, Philip J. Fry, voiced by Billy West, who is very talented. But let's talk about Mr. Fry. Fry is an immature, slovingly, yet good-hearted, sensitive pizza delivery boy who falls into a cryogenic pod, causing it to activate and freeze him just after midnight January 1st, 2000. He reawakens on New Year's Eve of 2999. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, just a couple years, couple years, right? Right. right. <laughs> Um, and gets a job as a cargo delivery boy at Planet Express, a company owned by his only living relative, Professor Hubert J. Farnsworth. Fry's love for Leela is a recurring theme throughout the series. Oh, I love Fry. He's, he's just so, such a sweetie. He's so dumb but lovable. Yeah, he's a goofy, lovable person for yeah. sure. And then there's Taranga Leela. Best known as Leela, voiced by Katie Seagal, which I love her. She's mm -hmm. queen. Leela is the competent one-eyed captain of the Planet Express ship. 
Get it, girl. Yeah. Abandoned as a baby, she grows up in the Cookieville Minimum Security Orphanarium, believing herself to be an alien from another planet, but learns that she is actually a mutant from the sewers in the episode Leela's Homeworld. I Hell love yeah. that episode. Yeah, love it too. Great. Prior to becoming the ship's captain, Leela works as a career assignment officer at the cryogenics lab where she first meets Fry. She is Fry's primary love interest and eventually becomes his wife. Oh, marriage is a trap. <laughs> Her name is a reference to the Taranga Leela Symphony by... That's interesting. That is very interesting. I did not know that. Me either. That's so cool. Um, I always wondered, like, where did they come up with the name Taranga Leela? Yeah. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Taranga. What? Yeah. It almost reminds me, reminds me of Topanga, though, because I always thought Topanga yeah. was an interesting name. I'm, I don't hate it. Yeah. But it was just like a, I've never heard that Same. Word name before. Same. Yeah. And then we have one of my favorite characters, Bender Bending Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> um, Voiced by John DiMaggio. Who, again, another amazingly epic voice actor. Bender is a foul-mouthed, heavy-drinking, cigar-smoking, kleptomaniac, egocentric, ill-tempered robot manufactured by Mom's Friendly Robot Company. <laughs> what? He is none of those things. Come on now. Um, he has to drink heavily or else he'll stop working. I know, right? Gosh, don't make him out to be a demon. <laughs> <laughs> no judges. He is originally programmed to bend girders for suicide boots and is later designated as an assistant sales manager and cook. Despite lacking the sense of taste, you know, just because he makes stuff a little salty from time to time. <laughs> um, he's also Fry's best friend and roommate. And like I said, he drinks heavily to power his fuel cells and he becomes the robot equivalent of a drunk when low on alcohol. And then he also gets the like rust around his mouth. <laughs> and <he's> like, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and then we have Professor Hubert J. Farnsworth, also voiced by Billy West. Professor Farnsworth, also known simply as the Professor, is Fry's distant nephew. Farnsworth founded Planet Express Inc. to fund his work as a mad scientist. Although he is depicted as a brilliant scientist and inventor at more than 160 years old, he is extremely prone to age-related forgetfulness and fits of temper. But aren't we all, though? Yeah, you know. <laughs> In the episode, A Clone of My Own, the professor clones himself to produce a successor, Hubert Farnsworth, voiced by Kath Saucy, whom he treats like a son. <laughs> I like Hubert. Yeah. <laughs> like, the reason his nose is all smashed is because of the tube. Ugh, I love it. Um, one of my favorite things that Cupid ever did was when he took over Planet Express and he made it a paper delivery company and then painted flames on the, <laughs> on the ship, on the ship saying, cause it'll make it go faster. <laughs> well, how do you, so how do you expect that? I'm 12. Yeah. <laughs> or how do you explain that? I'm 12. Okay. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, and then we have Amy Wong. The only good Wong that I know of. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I meant like animated 
Wong. Anyway, scratch oh, that. Ada Wong. Yeah. yeah to be a second. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, voiced by Lauren Tom. She is an incredibly rich, blunt, spoiled, ditzy, and accident-prone long-term intern at Planet Express. Uh-huh. This girl. <laughs> uh, she is an astrophysics student at Mars University and the heiress of the Western Hemisphere of Mars. You know, just I to own say... a whole hemisphere of a planet. <laughs> no you know? big deal. Not, not even. Like, who cares? <laughs> uh, in the second episode of season one, the professor states that he likes having Amy around because she has the same blood type as him. <laughs> oh, that old professor. The old coot. <laughs> she was born on Mars and she is ethnically Chinese, but is prone uh, and is prone to cursing in Cantonese and using 31st century slang like um, spleesh or blork or oh gosh, <laughs> every once in a while I'll say something that I'm like, I got that from Futurama. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, her parents are wealthy ranchers, Leo and Inez Wong. She is promiscuous in the beginning of the series, but eventually enters into a monogamous relationship with Keith Croker. In the show's sixth season, she acquires her doctorate. I remember the episode where she finally did, and it just kind of was like, huh, I didn't think she was ever going to do it. Oh. I really didn't. Just because, you know, she is super smart. It's yeah, just- she was just super flighty too. And um, yeah, I kind of forgot about that because I feel like most of the episodes I watched, she was kind of already talking to Kiff. But I do, yeah, I do recall episodes where she was a little bit more of a free spirit, if you Purpose will. you was girl. <laughs> anyway. <Yep. laughs> um, and then we have Hermes Conrad. He's voiced by Phil Lamar. Hermes is a Jamaican accountant of Planet Express. A 36-level bureaucrat, he is a stickler for regulation and enamored of the paperwork and bureaucracy. So he's the life of the party, basically. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hermes is also a former champion in Olympic limbo, a sport derived from the popular party activity. He gave up limbo after the 2980 Olympics when a young fan imitating him broke his back and died. (laughs) I'm sorry, I forgot about that. Hermes has a wife, La Barbara, and 12-year-old son, Dwight. (laughs) I just love it. And the episode where they made a suit for him so he could do the Olympics again. (laughs) The suit busts open as he's going under the bar and his stomach knocks the pole off. I was like, story of my life. (laughs) I feel that. (laughs) Our next lovable character is Dr. John A. Zoidberg, once again, voiced by Billy West. Like I said, this man is talented. Genius. Zoidberg is a lobster-like alien from the planet Decapod 10 and the neurotic staff physician for Planet Express. Although he claims to be an expert on humans, his knowledge of human anatomy and physiology is woefully inaccurate. Um, at one point, he states that his doctorate is actually in art history. So, <laughs> yeah, they're somehow I'm, related, yeah. you know. It's still a doctorate. Yeah. I mean, he's still a doctor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he never claimed to be a medical doctor, kind of sometimes, <laughs> maybe once or twice. Um, but Zoidberg's expertise seemed to be with extraterrestrial creatures. Homeless and penniless, he lives in the dumpster behind Planet Express. 
Although Zoidberg is depicted as being Professor Farnsworth's longtime friend, he is held in contempt by everyone on the crew. <laughs> Poor Zoidberg. <laughs> I always feel bad for him, but then I always feel like third person cringe when he does this cringy yes. thing. So like, stop being cringy. I love the episode <laughs> where he gets a new shell. So he's out of the shell and he's just like all floppy. Every time he leaves somewhere or when he fought to or was supposed to fight to the death with Fry and he cut off his arm. (laughs) (laughs) And sewed it onto the same side as his other arm. Oh my gosh. Yes, Zoidberg, you're a doctor. Wink. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have Zap Brannigan, also voiced by Billy West. Like, he pretty much voiced half of the main cast. (laughs) He was probably just talking to himself the whole time. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's awesome. I love Zap Brannigan, though. <laughs> Me too. But yeah, so Zap is the incompetent, extraordinarily vain captain of the dupe starship Nimbus. Although Leela detests him, Brannigan, a self-deluded ladies' man, pursues her relentlessly, often at great personal risk. He was originally going to be voiced by Phil Hartman, but Hartman died before production could begin. I do remember hearing that. But I think that's why his voice reminds me of that. He did it on purpose, yeah. yeah. Which is, I thought was really cool. I me liked too. it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He's, oh, I hate him, but I love him at the same, same. time. Same. <laughs> <laughs> so you've kind of already heard a little bit of stuff about what Futurama is, but let's talk about the premise in detail now. Futurama is essentially a workplace sitcom. The plot revolves around people working at the Planet Express delivery company and its employees, a small group that largely fails to conform to future society. Episodes usually feature the trio of Fry, Leela, and Bender, though occasionally storylines center on other main characters. But like we said, it takes place in New York. Nope. In New New York at the turn of the 31st century in the time filled with technological wonders. The city of New New York has been built over the ruins of present-day New York City, which becomes like a catacomb space that acts as New New York's sewer, referred to as Old New York. Unique New New York. (laughs) Oh, God, no. (laughs) We would never be able to do that warm-up. But yeah. So numerous technological advances have been made between present day and the 31st century, including the Head Museum, which keeps a collection of heads alive in jars. Several of the preserved heads shown are those of people who were already dead well before the advent of this technology. One of the most prominent examples of this anomaly is Earth President Richard Nixon, who died in 1994 and appears in numerous episodes. Um, I love the whole Head Museum thingy. I think it's so funny. Me too. Um, when Fry first walks in there, Leonard Nimoy, and like, <laughs> help me, Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's fun. Um, there are also self-aware robots, which are the main cause of global warming <laughs> due to the exhaust from their alcohol-powered systems, and hover cars and a network of large transportation tubes which made the wheel obsolete. No one but Fry even remembers or seems to recognize the design, which that's pretty wild. But Uh I will say that's super cool. Like traveling through the tubes. I know. That's really cool. And hover cars. And I love the first episode where Fry (laughs) sees everybody else do it. And then he gets in the tube and he's like, what? 
And he's screaming the whole and time. Like, Tourists. <laughs> yep. Everybody comes out of it gracefully. And then he just like crashes straight to the brick wall. <laughs> yeah. I like that. <laughs> Another interesting topic is that religion is a prominent part of society, although the dominant religions have evolved. Emerging of the major religious groups of the 20th century resulted in the first amalgamated church. Mainstream religions include voodoo, operaism, robotology, and Church of Trek, a Star Trek religion that was banned. Uh, basically, in the show, it was banned after the Star Trek Wars. By the 23rd century, the Star Trek fandom had evolved to a full-blown religion. <laughs> As country after country fell under its influence, world leaders felt threatened by its power, and so Trekkies were executed in the manner most befitting virgins by being thrown into a volcano. <laughs> the original 79 episodes and six movies were sent into space and dumped onto the forbidden world Omega 3. Yeah, another fantastic <laughs> episode when you learn about all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to talk about some of our favorite episodes. Uh, first one on my list is Roswell That Ends Well. It's season four, episode one. Fry causes trouble for himself and the rest of the crew when he accidentally causes them to be transported back to the time in Roswell, New Mexico of 1947 when he kind of accidentally becomes his own grandpa. <laughs> yeah, accidentally. <laughs> yeah. That's a fun one. I like that one. Um, one of my favorite parts of the whole thing is when the microwave gets all messed up and like everything shifts and they do the time travel thing and Fry goes, huh, did everything just taste purple? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, and then I was talking about this episode already. Uh, how Hermes requisitioned his groove back. <laughs> Get it, slay. <laughs> um, season two, episode 11. Hermes Conrad is excited because the central bureaucracy is conducting an inspection the next day and he expects to be promoted to grade 35 bureaucrat. Leela hosts a poker game with her former co-workers from the applied cryogenics at the office that night and Bender cheats via x-ray vision, which causes a kerfluffle, um, <laughs> to say the least. And it causes Hermes to be demoted rather than promoted. promoted. <laughs> and so they go to the bureaucracy to help him get his stuff back. And Hermes does this like whole song and dance and starts um, organizing things that are like piled up. And then he gets his level back. He goes back to 36 instead of 37. Got it. <laughs> Slay. Um, but now it's funny because there's a guy that flies around on a desk <laughs> and you're just like, what the hell? Why? <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that episode too. Um, and then we have Luck of the Fryrish. Season three, episode four, another classic. I just love the names of the episodes too. <laughs> I know. Um, but Luck of the Fryerish is Fry goes on a quest to recover his lucky seven leaf clover because you know four's not lucky anymore. It's not enough. Make it enough. <laughs> um, but he's convinced that his brother took over his identity when he was frozen. But Fry finds out that uh, he didn't take over his identity. His brother named his nephew after him because Aww. he. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's one of the sad ones. Yeah. 
when he realized what happened, he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and then A Fish Full of Dollars, season one, episode six, uh, Fry discovers that his bank account interest has made him into a billionaire. And he buys the one thing that the year 3000 doesn't have, anchovies, which anchovies went extinct. And then the funniest thing is Zoidberg's people are the reason they went extinct. So (laughs) Zoidberg's like, I want them. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. And then another one of my favorite parts of that episode is when um, they put Pamela Anderson's head on top of one of mom's sons and they tell her that's for an acting job and Fry's <laughs> has made to believe that he's back in the 20th century <laughs> because <laughs> his pin number is the price of a large um, <laughs> cheese pizza and a Coke. And <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love this. And, uh, so Pamela Anderson goes to order it and she goes, I would like a large cheese pizza and mine. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, 1177. Like my pin number. <laughs> That's freaking nerd. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I love that episode. <laughs> I don't know if it's 1177, but I think that's what it is. But yeah, hilarious. Again, another hilarious. I love this one. Um, the Devil's Hands are Idle Playthings. Season 4, episode 18. Uh, Fry makes a deal with the robot devil for robot hands to play an instrument to impress Miss Leela. Uh, so <laughs> when he does trade, the robot devil like basically begs him to trade back with him. He basically insinuates that they touch everything. <laughs> they clammy and they touch everything. <laughs> oh yes. my gosh. Yeah, that's a good one too. I love that one. And then for my final favorite episode, Parasites Lost, season three, episode two. Uh, Fry ate a not so good egg salad sandwich. Well, you could look at it as not so good or you can look at it as amazing because the parasites he does get makes them stronger and smarter. And Leela starts falling in love with him and he's like, Oh, that's amazing. I love it. And then he realized that Leela only is falling in love with him because he's stronger and smarter. And, smarter. and he's like, I'm not myself. So she doesn't actually love me. Aww. Yeah. So it's like, Aww. it's true, but bud. <laughs> <laughs> Just like resign yourself to live with worms, butt worms the rest Hell of your yeah. life. It's okay. If I don't have to Make do it work. <laughs> <laughs> and then another one of my favorite part of the episode is when they had a machine that would shrink people. And so they shrunk the Planet Express ship and they all went in there to get rid of the worm. And (laughs) (laughs) reminds me of a magic school bus episode. (laughs) Yes. And then um, Zoidberg pops out of the top of Planet Express and he takes some cholesterol off of one of the arteries and he goes, it looks like good cholesterol, but it spreads like bad cholesterol. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just little things. Yeah. It's a fun show. It is. Um, one of the ones I remember a lot is I Roommate. It's from season one, episode three. Um, Fry is forced to choose between friendship and television when Bender's antenna impairs TV reception at their stylish new apartment building. 
they basically become roommates um they first go to Bender's apartment but it's literally just a closet so they try to find different places and then they end up going back to Bender's then basically Bender is like well I guess you can sleep in my closet and he opens it and it's literally a whole apartment <laughs> And Bryce like, okay, sure. Yeah. And then Bender's like, okay, weirdo. <laughs> um, and then another thing that I remember about this episode just now is Bender's like all woeful because Fry doesn't want to live with him anymore. And then he goes, he left behind three skin flakes. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was freaking hilarious. Um, and then there's Marshall University. It's from season one, episode 11. I always remember this episode. I love it so much. Um, Fry matriculates at Mars University and competes with a monkey made smart by Professor Farnsworth's latest invention while Bender tries to make the local chapter of his robot fraternity cool. Um, I love this episode so much. Um, I forgot the monkey's name off the top of my Gunther. head. Oh, yeah. Gunte. Gunte. Yeah, that was really fun. I love that and uh yeah like, i think i think everyone's there because amy goes uh-huh. there too um yeah i just like that bender's living the frat life <laughs> and then fry goes to college because they're like a bachelor's degree is basically graduated from high school now you know in like this timeline yeah and he's like great and then he signs up for classes and one of the classes he signs up for is Professor Farnsworth and he's like don't sign up for that it's a class that I made so I wouldn't have to teach (laughs) (laughs) he's like oh (laughs) that's awesome Um, and then there's Fry in the Slurm Factory it's a classic season 1 episode 13 Fry wins a contest to visit the factory of his favorite addictive drink, but danger ensues when he accidentally discovers the real factory. Yeah, um, they had Slurms McKenzie, who was this, <laughs> the like party animal guy, and then he finds out that uh, the way it's made is not a way you would is not a thing that you would usually typically want to drink okay let's just questionable let's let's just just, uh let's just go with that (laughs) (laughs) because one of the best parts of it is when the creature that does produce the slurm she starts like and then puts her own like tail in her mouth yeah. and starts sucking out and you're like what the I know. hell it am w- I watching it was a little yeah <laughs> little little interesting this episode I remember that too I'm like I'm so grossed out but I'm so fascinated at the same time <laughs> um, and then there's the problem with poplars another good one it's a season 2 episode 15 the Planet Express crew discovers a delicious snack food on a remote planet, but Leela has a change of heart when she discovers a disturbing fact about the snack food that endangers Earth. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I always wanted to try a poplar. Right? <laughs> Good. <laughs> I mean, the way they make it sound so delicious, and then you figure out that it's, you know, a baby. A creature. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh. Omicron Percy, I ate. <laughs> Uh, I just, like you said, I really do want to try it. There's probably some recipe online somewhere that is supposed to be like poplars and it's probably popcorn chicken or something like that (laughs) or popcorn shrimp. 
but I'd be totally down to have a feature on the themed. Like find a slurm drink, get yeah. some poplars, <laughs> get, you know. Not questionably made though. Slurm no. drink. <laughs> ethically. Ethically <laughs> made. Ethically sourced. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that would be awesome. I know. I always kind of did picture poplars that taste like popcorn shrimp. I think yes. that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and then there's the Jurassic Bark episode, season four, episode seven. We already know about this episode. Um, Fry discovers the intact fossilized remains of his pet dog from his old life. And the professor reveals that he can clone the animal. Um, this episode, it really tugs at your heartstrings. Um, it's very well known for a reason, but it is one that I know I've seen it once fully and I've seen bits and pieces of it, but yeah. it's a hard one. It, it really is. is, but it is so cute at the same time. Yeah. But I found this really cool IMDb review by user syllabus. It says, I gave this episode a five because it is both excellent and awful. True. The last minute of this episode is without a doubt the saddest thing ever written or put to film in the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> this makes it both brilliantly good and terribly upsetting at the same time. Hours after seeing this episode, I found myself sobbing over <laughs> it. It doesn't just tug at your heartstrings. It wrenches them out like a dentist pulling out an abscess tooth. Even now, just thinking about this episode is enough to make me tear up almost instantly. I can't imagine what state of mind the writer was in to write such an agonizingly sad piece. Do not watch this episode if you are at all soft-hearted or especially if you are a dog lover. I mean, that could be why... I mean, it, it's very sad to me, don't get me wrong. But... That's not the worst thing that's ever been written. <laughs> I know. It was a little over the I, top, but I just liked it. I love uh, it, though. <laughs> it was a very well-written review of it. Yeah. And it was a really well-written episode, to be honest, yeah. of that show. So The whole walking on sunshine. Whoa. He waited for you, Fry. <laughs> I waited for you. <laughs> And then one of my top favorites is Amazon Woman in the Mood. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's season three, episode one. So it's about gigantic feminist Amazons and they give Fry, Keith, and Zap a grueling workout. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this episode was super fun. I just always remember that's where Snoo Snoo comes from. And yeah, just love it. It's so great. Well, I love that like it's all women living on this planet and they're like a man <laughs> and um eventually they find out that the ruler is just a giant robot thing that bender seduces <laughs> <laughs> voiced by b freaking arthur oh yes that was awesome <laughs> i love that yeah so and then the ruling was death by snoo snoo <laughs> and the guys were all like <gasps> Hey, oh, hey. <laughs> like very mixed emotions. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, and now we're gonna play a little game. All right, so we're gonna each do about ten quotes, and we're gonna have to guess who said it. You ready? Oh my gosh, let's go. Okay, I'll read them first. Ready? Okay. I hope he didn't die. Unless he left a note naming me his successor, then I hope he did. Um, that, I don't know. That could be Fry. <laughs> oh no, was it, it was Bender. Bender. I knew it. <laughs> Dang it. Okay, let's see. Perfectly symmetrical violence never solved anything. Was that Leela? 
No, was it? it was Professor Farnsworth. <laughs> oh, one of those two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so how about this one? This is it. The moment we should have trained for. Um, Leela. I had a yes. feeling you were going to get it. <laughs> um, okay. God didn't get to be God by giving away money. Ooh. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Oof. There's so many people that could be. I know, right? I don't think I would have gotten this either. I'm not going to lie. It really sounds like something Amy Wong's dad would say. <laughs> but I don't think you'd get that obscure. Yeah. No. So. Up. Uh, Bender. It was Professor Farnsworth. Oh my god! I know, right? That's kind of out of character in a way, but kind of, yeah. Wow. Well, you obviously won't listen to reason, so I guess I'll listen to Idiocracy and come with you. That sounds like Leela. Hell yeah. Okay. Your music's bad and you should feel bad. Bender. (laughs) No. (laughs) Dr. Zoidberg. (laughs) I will say. I I remember. (sighs) Okay. Um, That young man fills me with hope. Plus some other emotions which are weird and deeply confusing. Um... Is that I want to see the Professor Hermes? Uh, Hermes. I had to so hard not say it like him. Oh, who did it? That young man fills me with hope, plus some other emotions, which are weird and oh, deeply snap. confusing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, don't read it like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. Hey, when you look this good, you don't have to know anything. Amy Wong. Oh my god! No, surprisingly, it was Philip J. Fry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. But I think that's when he was on Amy's body, so... Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of roundabout. Halfway. Halfway. <laughs> um, okay, uh, I don't have emotions, and sometimes that makes me very sad. Bender. Yeah. Yeah, slay. Okay. Hey, sexy mama. Want to kill humans? I mean, bender it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to go with... No fair. You change the outcome by measuring it. I remember hearing this one. Um, Professor Farnsworth. <gasps> Dang, I thought that was going to get you. <laughs> um, Okay. Blackmail is such an ugly word. I prefer extortion. The X makes it sound cool. Oh my gosh. I remember who said it, but I don't. You got this. Ah, better. Okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, it sounds like him, but a lot of stuff does. So. I know, right? <laughs> All right. Finally, a uniform I'd be happy to caught dead in. That sounds like Amy. Of course, you got it correct. Um, okay. Thank you for all the inspiring advice, but I'm perfectly happy with my life the way it is. Leela. Hey! 
<laughs> I knew my girl wouldn't let me down. <laughs> uh, let's see this one. Okay, okay, okay. My sadness makes perfect sense. And I do have a vague memory of people refusing to breed with me. Zoidberg. <laughs> Fry. Oh, got me. <laughs> Uh, okay. Ugh, it's like a party in my mouth and everyone's throwing up. Right. <laughs> it's because I say that all the time. <laughs> uh, well, I'll say when it's something good. Oh, it's a party in my mouth and everyone's invited. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, this one. Now, now, there'll be plenty of time to discuss your objections when and if you return. Farnsworth. Or Professor Farnsworth. All right. Whoa. <laughs> <sighs> um... Do you think it could be a little less evil than that? Ooh. Is that Leela? Good job. Uh, okay. We know nothing about their history, their language, or what they look like. But we can assume this. They stand for everything we don't stand for. And also, they told me you guys look like dorks. <laughs> That's sad. So inspiring. Right? <laughs> Okay, this is my first visit to the Galaxy of Terror, and I like it to be a pleasant one. Was that Leela again? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, let's see this one. Wait, I have those things. You know, a headache with pictures? <laughs> <laughs> That's fire, I think. Yes. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> um... I'm so embarrassed. I wish everybody else was dead. Bender. <laughs> That's awesome. I love him. <laughs> and the winner is Roxy with eight out of ten. Woo! She kicked my ass. I, I will say, I think mine were a lot easier than yours were. I mean, I did watch it a lot more than you did. <laughs> so kind of fair that you threw a few curveballs at me. <laughs> I will say, yeah, I did pick harder ones too. So, But hey, you still got um, four. <laughs> yeah, you think four? I think. Oh, I think oh. Yeah, five, six. Hell yeah. So mm. You got six, so... Mm, mm, mm. Party at Roxy's house. Well, that felt fantastic to reminisce about Futurama. And I'm so excited for the new episodes that are coming out. Seriously. I mean, I will say this one was in the making for a long time. <laughs> Just but, a yeah. literal year. That's yeah, all. no big deal. But it was so fun. I loved it. I love. I forgot how much I do love this show. And I'm so excited for the new season to come out. So we're going to have to watch that. Hell yeah. So our next episode is going to be a tier list episode of our favorite Disney movies. Whoop, whoop. So I'm really stoked about that too. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. And you can always email us. That'd be amazing. I would really love to hear from somebody just to know we're not alone in the world with our nerddom. Who's out in the void with us? <laughs> Please help. 
like the episode where Bender gets separated from everybody and becomes a god. You know, just another obscure episode of Futurama. <laughs> Freaking nerd. <laughs> so, hey, Roxy, do you want to try and help me find some poplars? Yeah, sure. I'm hungry. Let's go. Toodaloo, fellow rebels. It's up to you, New New, New, New York. York, New New York. York. <laughs> <laughs>